This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast as we will go through the Breeders' Cup and give you Hopefully a bunch of winners on Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday with the best uh, horse handicapper in the country and Brad Thomas, who joins us as always. Brad, welcome. How are you? I'm tremendous, Mike. How's it going? Good to talk to you, Brad. Let's start with Friday. We'll save all the flight line hype and everything for Saturday. Um, Breeders' Cup, juvenile uh, sprint. I don't have anything to tell you, so what are you liking there? Well, I'm going to... To me, there's no likeliest winner here, Mike. I'll pick the sixth Persian force, hopefully at a price. He's well-seasoned, but he's rested. That's a profile I like for the Euros. He handles any ground. He made a premature move last time out going longer against Blackbeard. Uh, Edward Teach, the best uh, two-year-old sprinter in Europe. I think Persian force is really helped by the cutback. Five and a half suits him. Uh, he's never been on the turn before. That's the issue. It frequently is the issue for these European two-year-olds. But there's tons of pace in this race, particularly on the outside. All the speeds on the outside, basically. Those horses are going to send hard. The pace is going to be fast. A Euro closer is going to have a good chance. I'll use the five, Mischief Magic, another Euro as well. Uh, he has one going on a right-handed turn, at least, but that was on synthetic. Uh, four dramatized a Euro who's rested and is going to be helped by the cutback. The eight American apple, I'll throw in there to an American who's well-seasoned and should like the uh, shorter distance with a fast pace as well. We're on the Bet Rivers Network, as always, and for all your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut, so whatever you need, just go to their uh, app, uh, and you'll find everything you need for all your needs there and the program, of course, always on the Bet Rivers Network and wherever you can find your podcast. All right, Juvenile Philly Race. Uh, I, I see three horses. You tell me anything else you like. Chocolate Gelato uh, would be first the Frizette winner. I'm not in love with her. I think she benefited from the off track in the Frizette. I don't love her pedigree for two turns or going longer. I think she's very vulnerable despite the top flight connections. How about Chop Chop? I think she's strictly the horse to beat, the likeliest winner. This is her second dirt start. She had a big finish against a moderate bias at Keeneland last time in the Alcibiades. Uh, she was schooled a bit in that race as well by Rosario. She took dirt. She negotiated traffic. She can be more tactical, which she showed in the turf races previously. I think she will be more tactical here from her Outermore draw and that will make her kit really, really dangerous. One to beat strictly. And New York bred You're My Girl, who was supplemented, finished second in the Frisette. I know the connections feel she's going to get better as they go longer. Do you think You're My Girl has any chance to New York bred? No, I don't. I okay. think there's too much speed to the outside of her. My pick in this race, actually, Mike, is the eight atomically, who I think has great upside. She's been under the radar. She's by Gervin, a uh, young sire who uh, hasn't got quite the press as some of the other new sires, but who I love. Gervin was an unsound horse who raced through his physical issues with great heart and determination, and his offspring seemed to have that same trait. Uh, this horse was a homebred, was purchased by very shrewd connections, uh, freaked on the stretch out against Florida breads at Gulfstream last time. Slower pace but much faster finishing split and final time than males ran in the other division of that Florida bread stakes. She was disdainfully very wide all the way in that race while making multiple moves. Great upside for this horse. She deserves to be among the favorites, and she won't be. She'll be an overlay. So you like the eight and then chop chop for second? Yes, and the 14 Raging Sea. And underneath the four, Sabre Tough, 
Can he sneak you well in the Alcibiades last time out? Has a better post and is trained by somebody named Dallas Stewart, who's been underneath at a price at times in the past. Yes, we love Dallas Stewart in these races as a long shot. Absolutely. All right, the juvenile Philly turf. Tell me who you like because I have nothing in this race. Go ahead. What do you like? The likeliest winner to me is the five pleasant passage for Shug McGahee, masterful connections, one of the greatest developer of young horses in the history of the game. She's lightly raced, super well-bred. I love the change of pace last time out, showing speed against better after slicing through traffic from off the pace in her debut. She's well-posted. She's training superbly. Uh, she is going to be a handful at a decent price. Now, if the 12 midnight mile is a much bigger price, though, than Pleasant Passage, and it's ultimately going to be a game-time decision for me based upon price between those two. I might be willing to take a shot against Pleasant Passage with Midnight Mile. Uh, she's a lightly raced Euro, has monster acceleration. Uh, second off a layoff, she's pointed for this race clearly. Her post is brutal. She's either going to have to really break well and try to get position and tuck inside or just take back to last and then try to sweep by the field. Neither possibility is ideal, but this horse is very, very talented, might have a higher ceiling than Pleasant Passage, but is really hurt by the draw. The three last call I'll use, well-rested Woodbine horse by English Channel, one of the greatest sires in the game, uh, who just recently passed away. Last call really improved with the added distance, as you would expect. The nine delights a pace threat. The 11G Laurie has upside after getting traffic last time. All right. The juvenile is always big because there's your stars for next year. Uh, we start with Forte, who has been my horse. I hit him in the hopeful on a wet track at a good price. I hit him in the futurity back at a good price. Uh, I know they were very high on him, and then he threw in a clunker, but then he's come back with these two big wins. Let's start with Forte. He's a good horse. He was very well set up in those two races, pace-wise. Here, the pace is an entirely different story. There's a dominant pace horse who's going to control things. There's not going to be the type of contention that benefited Forte in his two previous races, especially in the Breeders' Futurity last time out. The horse who was second in that race, Loggins, actually was much, much better on the day, dealing with uh, multiple attacking pace rivals, putting them all away, going fast, and then holding on to the bitter end and actually fighting Forte all through the stretch. If Forte was better than him that day, he would have won the race easily by a length and a half or two lengths. I think Forte is a danger. I'm using him, but I think he's very vulnerable. Blazing sevens. Expert hands of Chad Brown, another fantastic developer of young horses. By good magic, a maiden with whom Brown won this race a few years ago. Uh, Blazing sevens uh, is ideally spotted at a mile of 16th. I think that's the perfect distance for him. I'm not sure how good he's going to be next year but I think he's a horse with tremendous upside on the day. He ran well on wet tracks in his last two, actually much better in the, in the champagne than he did in the hopeful. But I think the dry surface could really move him up another notch. National treasure. That's my horse in this race. Uh, he was no match for cave rock. The other Baffert horse in here, cave rock is going to be the dominant speed. And certainly is the horse who at least a month ago was tons of the best of these. But National Treasure being no match to him last time out still improved dramatically over his debut. And Cave Rock had one more start of experience and foundation than did National Treasure before that race in the American Pharaoh. I think National Treasure being a quality road with a sculpy pedigree on the dam side has a lot of room to improve. I think he's certainly a major, major horse for next year. And I think at a price, he has a reasonable shot to improve enough to nail his uncoupled barnmate cave rock in the final strides. So national treasure first who and second and third would be? Cave rock second, blazing sevens third. And deep underneath, I'm going to throw in the eight lost arc, who's a pure distance horse. He's a half of nest by a fantastic band, Marion Ravenwood, who has stamina and great speed as well. He had an impossible trip in the Futurity last time out behind Forte. No telling how well he would have run in that race if he had gotten a better trip. He just had so much trouble. But this horse really wants to run long. 
All right, the juvenile turf finishes uh, Friday. The only horse I know is Battle of Normandy. Uh, I know Shook liked this horse, but then he caught a track he didn't like. Do you think he bounces back? And if not, who do you like? I'm definitely using Battle of Normandy underneath. He wants firmer ground. He's probably going to get it. Though the last forecast I heard said there is... Looks like very good weather, because that's also important for our horse on Saturday, which we'll get to. But Battle of Normandy uh, looks like he'll get a good turf. I mean, a a, a firm turf. Exactly, exactly. And that and that's gonna help him. I I have questions about his overall quality as I do about all the American horses in this division, but certainly in fine hands and the ground is gonna help him. I'm certainly using him underneath but not on top. Who's your top horse? The likeliest winner is the fourth silver knot uh for Charles Appleby, who has become the dominant Euro trainer when shipping to the United States. He stretched out successfully, did silver knot in uh, a new market grade three race that really tends to play more like a grade two or a grade one when you really look at the horses who have run, run in it and what they do in the future. Uh, silver knot is tactical. He's versatile. Uh, he's well posted. Uh, but I'm going to take a shot if the price is right, and I think it will be, on uh, number one, Victoria Road, who really has a sprint pedigree but surprisingly enough, improved big time on the stretch out in his last two. Now, he has seven starts already, but that's okay for trainer Aiden O'Brien, who runs his horses more than other modern trainers, especially European trainers. This horse handles any ground. O'Brien's horses, when they get good late in the year like this horse did, tend to continue to run well. He's tough. He's game. He handles pressure. He loves to fight. We've seen that in all his races overseas. He does need a decent start from the one post to get position because he doesn't have tons of acceleration. Frequently, these Euros have gate problems in this country. It's not even so much that they're not used to breaking quickly in Europe. It's because the starting gates there are smaller than, than they are, are, are bigger than they are here when they come to the United States and they run in the smaller stalls. They get a little bit claustrophobic and they don't really know how to react. So that's an issue. He needs to get out. But if he does, I think he's really dangerous. The nine Nadirock stretches out for Grand Motion, who's really hot right now all over the country and is really good on the stretch out. I like his speed. I like the fact that they've chosen to stretch him out after winning a sprint stakes last time out instead of cutting him back. I think that means good connections know something. The six and the winner is has excellent acceleration, a horse to watch next year when the distances get longer. I don't know if he's going to get enough pace. And, of course, Battle of Normandy, I'll use All right, we moved to Saturday. And, Brad, let me ask you uh, this question first. From a standpoint of the Europeans, usually they either climatize well or they don't. And if they do, they usually run very well. If they don't, like when they go to California, they struggle. Do you think Kentucky... The weather's going to be 70-ish. It's going to be fairly warm and sunny. The turf's going to be definitely solid to firm. It's not going to be like it is in August, but it's going to be solid. Uh, it's going to be a firm turf. Do you think the overall the Europeans run well as a group, or do you think they're hampered as a group? I think they'll run well as a group. I, the quotas I would put on that is twofold. Firstly, a lot of the top Euros are not coming this year. And fewer and fewer have come for the British Cup in recent years. Because in the middle of October, the English racing authorities have deliberately run like a featured weekend of top, top races. That's deliberately designed to keep the top Euros. To, to hurt the, the British Cup, got it. Exactly, gotcha. exactly. So a lot of these, those top horses run there rather than ship here. So we're not always seeing the top, top horses coming. And the other thing is in Europe, in overall, and particularly in late September into early October, there was a lot of rain. So many of the top races there were run on really, really boggy ground. Gotcha. Not even like little, a little bit soft, but really, really soft. So some of those results are a little bit aberrant. And those horses who are winning those races are not necessarily the best horses or the best firmer horse horses. And like you said, it's probably going to be firm, 
but it's not going to be August firm. I think there'll be enough given it that the really good quality Euro horses who handle different types of ground will be okay. It's not going to be like Saratoga or no, Monmouth Park. Uh, which a horse like my horse loves uh, uh, a really hard right. turf. Uh, so the harder the better. So I think it'll be hard enough for him, but there's enough give for the Europeans to run well is what you're saying. Plus the weather. Exactly. They, plus cli- the Kentucky weather is a good weather for them this time of year. They climatize well for that, I think, rather than, say, in the real hot weather. So I, I think that's a positive. All right, let's get to the Saturday card which obviously everyone's looking towards the classic and the great horse. We'll get to that. Um, Philly and Mayor Sprint, I'm only going to give you one horse that I know is well meant for the race, and that's obligatory. Other than that, what do you like? I'm using obligatory underneath. I have not seen the, seen the proven quality with her, the proven top, top quality with her to put her on top. My horse is the eight good night olive. Uh, she has been masterfully developed by Chad Brown. She has a scopey pedigree, but proven sprint ability. She's a seven furlong monster. This is her distance. She is tactical. She can be pace stung, but she will always still finish well at this distance. She's won on the Keeneland course. She's well posted. She's well rested, uh, likely raced with still more upside. I think she's a very, very likely winner. and She's probably not going to be the favorite, uh, what I like with her is the five Franks Rockette, who's also well-rested, also really suited by seven furlongs, even though she hasn't run this distance all that much. And that race at Charlestown going seven furlongs, that's meaningless because that's around two turns on an aberrantly tight course. But Franks Rockette ran in the male sprint in 2020. She ran aggressively in that campaign. She ran aggressively in 2021. She's run sparsely in 2022. I think that's Bill Mott saying, I'm pointing her for the Breeders' Cup against Phillies and Mares. And I think the campaign has been directly linked to this race. Uh, she wasn't at her best with Frank Sarkett in her two previous Keeneland races. I think she will be at her best on Saturday. I'll use CC defensively, who won this race last year. I don't think she's as good this year. And I'll also have obligatory, I think. All right, we get to the turf sprint, and Golden Pal is supposed to win. He's undefeated at Keeneland. This is his last race before he goes off to stud. He will be a heavy favorite, but there could definitely be an upset here. And to me, this race, and then I'll let you take it, Casa Creed is a horse I own with Lee Einsleider. The horse has been a brilliant horse for us. He is as good a sprinter and as good a closing sprinter as there is in the world. Uh, he's proved that. He's won uh, the g- three great ones in the last two years, won at a mile, which I, I know he got a perfect trip th- at the mile when he won the uh, four-star Dave, but he's won the Jiper, which has been as good a sprint that's been run in this country in the last year, twice. He's won that two years in a row. Um, to me, it's the closer, Casa Creed, against the speed horse, Golden Pal. Do you want to put anybody else on their level? Yeah, I do. I think the sixth Highland Princess has, is an absolute monster. She is a five-year-old mare who has always been good, but she's gone to a different level in the last few months. She is a physical beast. She looks like a five-year-old male rather than a five-year-old mare. Uh, she is better now mentally than she was previously. She has speed. She has gears. She has acceleration. She is absolutely push button. You can literally ride her, you and I, Mike, and push a button, and she will respond to whatever we want her to do. She has one going shorter. She has one going longer. This distance is perfect. She has one left-handed, which is really, really a big thing for these Euro sprinters to have to prove when they come to this country. She won her first grade one off a 50-day break. She now comes off a 55-day break. They have this race. The whole key is the starting gate. She must get out of the gate. That's always the question for these Euro horses, especially the sprinters. Where do you if see her in the out, race with Golden Pal on the front? Where do you see her? Sitting second behind him. Or third, sitting you know, second. On another horse. And where do you see Casa? Well back and wide. And that's the problem. 
That's the problem for Casa. There's not a ton of pace in this race. Golden Powell is always the pace because he's so fast. Right. But, you know, the wild card with him, though, too, is he's always been a bullet out of the gate. Three back and two back, he did not break well. No, and he should have been beaten in the Troy. Right, right. And he broke better last time. But when these fast horses later in their careers start not breaking well, that, that can mean something. And Golden Powell, he loves to run clear, but no one has really hooked him. Do you see Highland Princess hooking him? Yes, and that's what I see. He's, Golden Powell is undefeated on turf in North America when he's been able to clear fields, eight for eight. I think Highfield Princess can get to him turning for home. And if she gets to him, I think she can wear him down. That's the one thing he hasn't shown me he can do, that he can be fast, he can make the lead, but then he can repulse a quality rival who hooks him in the final three-sixteenths of a mile. And I think Highfield Princess is that quality rival. And we will be flying at the finish. You will be absolutely flying. You will have, unfortunately, have lost a lot of ground. Uh, five and a half at Keeneland. Hey, it's better, Mike, than five and a half at Saratoga. No for question. Your horse. It, it definitely is. But it's not six at Belmont on the Widener or the inner turf. turf. And, and that's really, and, and at these. And I can tell folks that our horse has trained brilliantly for this race. Absolutely. Got a rough trip in his last race at a, the million dollar race at, at the Coolmore Mile. He got a very rough trip. He got banged in the stretch. He still ran a, a very good race. He's not at his best at a mile. He's better at six. Or he'd be better at six than he is at five and a half, as Brad is saying, which is true. Uh, we debated whether five and a half was long enough. Uh, we thought it was better than the mile for a lot of reasons. But uh, I can tell you this. He will be flying at the finish. And you know what, too, Mike? Your horse is as honest a racehorse as there's ever been. Yeah, he's as, he be, is. Uh, he runs his race every time. He really does. Now he's got to be able to hook two great horses here, Golden Pal. So you think Highland Princess right now is a better horse than Golden Pal? If she's able to continue her form that she showed in Europe in her last three races, yes. Uh, now she's trying to repeat that mini layoff pattern that she ran so well off of, but sometimes. With horses like her who got as hot as they did for such a short period of time, over a short period of time, when they do come back off of rest, they're not the same. Even though you're connected with the horse, you think you're doing the right thing. She's running great three times in a row in a short period. I got a rest before the Breeders' Cup. You're thinking that's the right thing to do, but sometimes you never can get quite back to where you were previously. So it's, 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 but at a price, and she's not going to be the favorite, and I think she deserves to be the favorite or vying for favoritism. I mean, as a... Golden Pal will be four to five. You know that. Exactly. Exactly. So, if I think this horse is at least as... Will be, will be, will be six to one or five to one, Go, right. Classic Creed. Golden Pal will be four to five, and I figure the Highland Princess will probably be like three or four to one. I, I, I'm hoping for more than four to one. I think there's a chance she is because of Golden Pal being so. Short. Do you like anybody else in the race? Uh, anyone else to be in the mix other than those three? I would any in a Breeders' Cup race. Just about anybody can speak in for third or fourth. Uh, the seven arrest me red in improving four year. I agree. Award. I think I, that's the other horse. I agree. I think that's the horse that finished second to us in the Jiper. I think he's a very good horse. Absolutely, and as at a price. I will throw in on some tickets to five Go Bears Go, who was second in the juvenile sprint last year in the United States with blinkers on, hasn't worn blinkers since, now is putting blinkers back on, coming in the older horse turf sprint. The form's not there. It wasn't there last year. Maybe this horse just likes running in the United States and running with blinkers. And I think if Casa wins this race, it could be his last race. I think if he doesn't win it, I think he'll probably be running one more year. I think. 
you know, with three or four races being the max, but I would think maybe. But if he wins, I wouldn't guarantee you because I think he could also go off this, to the stud if he wins this race. Um, but again, they're, they're figuring Golden Powell runs right off into Coolmore off a win. They're very cocky about it with Golden Powell, who's never lost to Keeneland. But I'm telling you, Brad's telling you how good Highland Princess is, and I'm telling you, Casa Creed is ready to go. This will be a very tough race for Golden Powell. It really will, and he's going to have to run to another level. He's had a lot of easy races in his victories in this country where he's just won them in the first three strides out of the gate. Now he's running against better horses, and he's now a little bit of a question how quick his first couple steps are. Very interesting. All right, Dirt Mile. Um, the only horse I want to mention is Gunite, who uh, I know very well that High Oak has run against Gunite, beat him once, lost to him once in the hopeful on, on, a, on a weird track. Uh, he's a solid horse. How about Gunite? And then take it away with the Dirt Mile. I think it's very interesting that uh, trainer Steve Asmussen, who is the absolute best superstar trainer in this country, who does not get the recognition he deserves. And that's because he's not necessarily based in California or based in New York. He's every bit as good as the California superstars and the New York superstars. Doesn't quite get the recognition he deserves. He is probably the best in the game at keeping a horse in raging form going in raging form. He gets horses in a rhythm, a training rhythm, a racing rhythm, and is able to keep them going with that. And that's because of the foundation he lays at the Family Training Center in Texas, developing these horses mentally and physically with the necessary foundation when they're young. And they carry on that through. The Knight has never been two turns in his life. He's coming back on short rest off the best race of his, of his career over the Keeneland track. I respect the heck out of that when I see a guy like Steve Asmussen doing that with this horse. But there is quality pace to his inside, and that's pipeline the three for Chad Brown. This horse duels with the best sprinter on dirt in the world in Jackie's Warrior last time on the forego. Now, he didn't win the race, but he only got beat by Jackie's Warrior by two and a quarter, and he buried Jackie's Warrior uh, from winning the race. So I think Pipeline will connect with the night, and both of the chances will be hindered as a result. But I, I do respect both those horses. The likeliest winner of the race to me is Laurel River, who has been much improved since stretching out from pure sprints. And this year with maturity, he freaked last time in California without Lasix, and that's important. Uh, that's a key angle these days in American racing with stakes horses. Uh, when they switch back and forth between being able to use Lasix in some states or in some types of races and then not being able to use Lasix subsequently. I think it's really important that Laurel River's big improvement was coupled with him not having Lasix, which he will not have on Saturday. He's tactical. He's versatile. He's the likeliest winner. But I'm taking a shot at a price with a horse who I think is just getting better and better, and that's Senior Buscador. He was a potential 2021 Derby horse for me. I really like him as a two-year-old. He has distance ability, two-turn ability. He's been patiently brought back this year by a very capable Midwestern barn. He showed he could be competitive with Laurel River going seven furlongs, two starts back, and that's not Senior Buscador's distance. The fact he was only beaten by... Uh, Laurel River by about four lengths is meaningfully positive. He paired up speed figure wise last time at Churchill Downs going one mile, albeit around one turn. He got a good pace set up in that race, but I love the sharpness of his closing speed on that field on the turn when the pace was still live. It was like a top flight pro football cornerback who's beaten five yards by a receiver when the ball is thrown, but has the closing speed to get there to break up the pass by the time the ball arrives. That's what Senior Buscador showed on the turn in that race. He was nowhere, and then he blew the race apart. He lost some focus in the stretch, but I think that's all it was, uh, seeing that daylight after not having seen it in a lot of his races. I think with another forward move and good pace, this horse is really dangerous. I don't love the 10 post, 
But sometimes in these really high-quality dirt races, it's not so bad because the field gets spread out and your horse has a clear, wide run, and that's what Senior Buscador hopefully will get. I think Cyberknife is dangerous on the cutback, the classic, pure two-turn horse, cutting back to a mile with pace. But I don't love the spot. This is his final race. A three-year-old of this quality, he should be running the classic. So what if you don't think you can beat flight line? That's the right spot. Take a shot. Last race, you've won a lot of grade ones. You've won a lot of money. Uh, take that shot. So I think this is a sign of weakness with him. I think the two simplification has a chance underneath at a big, big price. He's better from off the pace. Showed that in the Fountain of Youth. Showed that in the Kentucky Derby. He has a, a, a puncher's chance to get something. Uh, and pipeline and goodnight. One of those speed horses has a chance maybe to be third or fourth. Gotcha. All right. The Philly and Mayor Turf, what do you like? Very close to me between Above the Curve and Nashwan. Above the Curve is more of a grinder. She really likes to get in a fight. She's really game. Nashua has more acceleration. The pace scenario here could favor Above the Curve. And she's a daughter of American Pharaoh. I think the firmer ground in this country is going to help her. Uh, she's lately been on ground with much more given it because of the rain that there has been during the European season. I think she is more upside than Nashua has on the day. Nashua looks fresh, second race off a layoff, but she's had one more race this campaign than above the curve. And her connections have repeatedly said they really expect her to be especially good next year. Uh, still, it's probably going to be a game-time decision for me based on odds, but I think another Euro at a big price, bigger price at least, has a chance, and that's Tuesday, who is as good as these horses on her best day. Uh, it's hard to tell where her form really is at this point because she's been on the off-ground over there. I think she's significantly better on the firmer ground. She's going to get a Keeneland and She's also better on left-handed courses, and she's going to get a left-handed turning course at Keeneland on Saturday. So she's a big-time use for me. In Italian, Chad Brown's horse has gotten good at the right time of year. You can make a scenario that she's clear on the lead. Maybe she's gasping in the last 16th going this distance, but she's really good. She's really controlling speed. There's a long run to the first turn. Uh, she's going to have plenty of time to get over and save some ground. Uh, someone who says, I like her to wire the field, I'm not going to say you're out of your mind. Uh, and I'll put the, uh, Moira, the Canadian horse, who is really well-bred for the turf, uh, ran really well against much better company than she'd be facing in her first turf start last time. She has a chance to get better, too. We're talking with Brad Thomas, of course, the Breeders' Cup on Saturday, the Mike Francesa podcast. All right, the sprint. I'm only going to give you Jackie's Warrior, who got beat in the forego, who has dominated this class of animal. What about Jackie's Warrior? You like somebody else? Or you like Jackie's Warrior to rebound? He's the likeliest winner on the entire two-race card, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he's rested for this final start of his career. He cuts he's had a hell of a career, goal. too. He's had a hell of a career. Yes, his, very well-named horse, uh, very distinctive horse physically. He's kind of a throwback, has a rough-hewn look about him, and I think that's one of the reasons why he's just so tough. He's not a pretty boy. He's not a horse who's going to go in one of these sales and 8 million people are going to be looking at him saying he's the prettiest horse they've ever seen in their life and paying millions and millions of dollars for it. He doesn't have that look. He just looks like a racehorse who is a warrior, and he's well-named. Uh, he battled Pipeline, a really good horse, going seven furlongs at Saratoga last time out. Did it on relatively short rest. Ran a great race. Uh, Speed had no edge that day at Saratoga. You could make a case that the inside pass was not the best place to be. He wasn't on the literal rail, but he was closer to the rail than most of the other horses. Uh, the race was good. Uh, now he's going to be fully cranked for that final start at the right distance. And there's no, no speed in this race. It's 
the Breeders' Cup dirt sprint, and there's really no speed other than him, which is amazing. And you see this more and more in American racing because all the best sprinters sometimes are actually running in longer races because there aren't enough real quality, true distance horses. So horses who 40 years ago would be sprinters are now routers because there's a vacuum uh, in that division to some extent. So Jackie's Warrior could have a really, really relatively easy spot for his final career start. The only horse who I think can beat him, and he's going to need some help, is Kamari, who has paired up improved figures in her last two. Uh, six furlongs is her distance. She is exponentially better at six than she is at seven. Wesley Ward, who is very in tune with his horses, knows that. That's why he's chosen this race. She's going to need, though, the hopeless long shot, Super Ojo, to send hard and be really good and really taxing on Jackie's Warrior to have any shot. But if anyone beats him, it's Kamari. American Theorem, I'll use underneath. He's red hot. Not going to get the pace he's gotten in California, though, in his previous races. Obisos has a crazy underneath shot. This horse is better than his figures. CZ Rocket, veteran pro. Not quite as good as he used to be, but he loves Keeneland. Aloha West won a weaker version of this race, I thought, last year. At least weaker because Jackie's Warrior was not in the same type of form that I think he's going to be in now. Uh, he's coming off a long layoff. Uh, he may not quite be ready at his best, and I don't think he's as good as or close to as good as Jackie's Warrior anyway, given a fair pace scenario. All right, the turf mile. I have three horses, and if you like anybody else, or just tell me what you like. I like... Modern Games, Annapolis, and then Ivar. Uh, anybody else you want to throw in with that threesome, or do you like somebody else? Well, let me, uh, Ivar is cycling forward, is going to get more pace, loves Keeneland. I don't think he's good enough to win this race. I will be using him strongly underneath. I will take, be taking a stand against Annapolis. He had an absolute perfect, perfect inside-out trip last time out over the course now he moves outside. He's not going to get anywhere near that trip once more. I'm going to play against him in the spot from that draw against a better group of horses still than he's been facing. Modern Games is the horse to beat. He's a true miler. He lost his last time, lost last time on giving ground that he does not really like. It was still a good race. He's much better on the firmer ground he's going to get. He loves the tighter turns in North America. He loves the left-handed turns. He's going to be hard to beat. Uh, I think he's a winner here. I agree with you. I think he's the winner. Um, So modern games over Ivar or anybody else? You got a sleeper? Well, let me give give you the key horse, though. The one horse who I think can beat modern games, and that's Dream Loper. She's been a miler most of her career. She did really well stretching out to nine furlongs in May against top quality foes, beat grade one males. Could not sustain that form over the summer because she's not really a router. Then she ran the race of her life last time, cutting back to a mile. Did it against males. Was able to be tactical, but also showed great acceleration kicking away from them. She's rested for this. She's run well and firmer. I think she has a live shot to beat modern games. Uh, I'm, as I said, I'm using Ivar underneath. I'm taking a stand against Annapolis. Cheryl Spite, I'm using underneath. This horse ran an outlier race of his career at Keeneland in his lone start in Kentucky. Did it off a 69-day break, has a 49-day break for this race. He's well-posted. He's going to get pace. And Malavath, a crazy long shot deep underneath, second to the top sprinter in Europe, Ken Ross, who's also in this race but poorly drawn. I think Malavath, going longer with more pace and more contention, has a chance to get third or fourth. All right. The distaff looks to me to be a two-horse race. Nest, one, Malafat, second. Anybody else? I agree that Nest is the likeliest winner, and I prefer her over Malafat because of her athleticism and handiness. She has, though, run seven times already this year, has run really, really well, responded positively to that aggressive start against males in the mile-and-a-half down line in which she finished second, that battle hard hardened her. She's been on automatic pilot uh, since then. Malafat loves Keeneland. She's improved with blinkers. A mile and an eighth is her game. 
uh, I just think Ness can get first run on her. Uh, search results is going to run the race of her life, but a mile and an eighth is too far for her. Uh, Clarier, I don't think she's as good as the other two. I don't think she's as good at a mile and an eighth as the other two, but she did have a legit excuse last time out when she cut her tongue in the starting gate. Uh, it's a hard race to bet a horse in a Breeders' Cup race when she comes out of something like that, but there was an excuse, and she's probably going to be a price. The biggest price, though, a horse who will be an overlay, must use in every type of gimmick, is Blue Stripe. Her sister won the distaff at Keeneland two years ago. She tried the distaff at Del Mar last year. She wasn't ready for that off the ship from Argentina, off the layoff. These South American horses, they take more time than Euros frequently to get adapted to American climate, to American seasons, to American racing. This year, Blue Stripe has pointed for this race all season. Her races have been well-spaced. She's improved with every North American start. She faces better. She's going to have to class up. This is a deep deal. It's hard. If there was only just Nest and Malifat, okay, you could make a better case for her. But even the second-tier contenders here are really good, like Colorado, like Search Results, even Society. But Blue Strike is helped by the extra distance, is going to be a big price, has a family connection to Keeneland. Uh, I think I think the source is live. Um. It makes sense, and I think Nest is a very, very strong uh, favorite and, and, and deserves to be. All right, the Turf Classic, Warlike Goddess, I know is very well meant by the Bond to take on the boys there, could have gone different places, went to this race, went to the richer race, thinks they have a big shot. What about this race? What about Warlike Goddess? Well, I think after her career, Warlike Goddess should go into American politics because she is incredibly polarizing. Handicappers either love her or really hate her in this race. I really like her in this race. She's undefeated, five for five, going a mile and a half. She finishes her mile and a half races like she's just getting warmed up. The train is very high on this horse. You know that. They're very high on this horse. And he's he's point he's been thinking of this race all year for her. Yep. He knows she's a mile and a half horse. She finishes those races strongly and does it easily. Now, when she won at Aqueduct last time, it was against second and third rate males. And the turns there are more forgiving maybe for a lot of horses. But she hands title tighter turns really, really well. She's a really good athlete. She's two for two at Keeneland. Now, when she ran in the distaff turf going a month race at Del Mar last year, she was too very, very wide and made too wildly a premature move with a different rider than will be on board her on Saturday. Uh, now, Rosario messed up two starts back against Phillies and Mares. He just was way, way too patient. Uh, he knows he messed up, but he knows what this mare can do. She has, she has huge acceleration. You just have to get her out. Uh, you wait longer than previous jockey waited last year, but you don't do what you did last time. You don't need to just sit there on the rail and hope for an opening. Get her out, and at a mile and a half, she will sustain a run, and she will be the best finisher. The Euros in this race are not the best Euros. Now, Rebels Romance is the one who's going to be the favorite. He's improved big time, switching from dirt and plastic when he finally tried turf for that top Euro shipping trainer, Appleby. He's four for four going a mile and a half. Uh, the two grade ones, though, have been against small fields and soft fields in Germany. He has not beaten the best. Uh, maybe he's not running against the absolute best turf horses in the world in this race, but I think Warlike Goddess is a better horse than he's been facing, and he's more of a grinder. She has huge acceleration. She can come from nowhere and be on top of the lead at the eighth pole, but then she's going to have another gear at this distance where she finishes really strongly. 
And from what I've seen of him, I don't think he can match that. Now, I like a horse underneath them at a price, and that's the four broom who bounced back in this race in 2021, ran a really, really good second behind Yabu. He had run poorly previously on very heavy ground in the arc. This year, he's had to face very heavy ground in his last two, in the Irish champion and in the arc again. Now, he's going to really appreciate Keeneland's firmer going. He's going to appreciate the left-handed course, which he really likes. And again, of these Euro trainers, Aidan O'Brien is probably the one guy who I'm fine with, with a horse needing to rebound. His horses bounce back. They run a lot. They have a lot of foundation. They can come back to form from a poor performance, especially when you have a reason for it. I'll use Nation's Pride underneath as well, an improving Appleby three-year-old. Same profile as Yabir, who won this race last year. I thought Yabir had no shot. He really had to improve to win this race. I feel the same about Nation's Pride. He got a great trip and an easy trip last time against Weaker. But the connections have done this before with a horse like this. So I'll respect it underneath. So your one, two, three is your your most likely winner is? Most likely winner is Warlike Goddess, and she's not going to be the favorite. Underneath, Rebels Romance Room, Nation's Pride. Okay. All right, let's get. We got this far without mentioning the star of the show. Uh, if you watch any Breeders' Cup shows, ninety percent of the coverage is on one horse. We understand why. I will make the declaration here: no horse has come in to the Breeders' Cup ever with the credentials that this horse brings into this race. This uh, his, this horse's last couple of races. I saw the race in the Met Mile live. He beat a good horse in Speaker's Corner, treated him like he was a 10-claimer, finished him for his career, actually took his heart away. This horse is scary. If he runs to his last race, they're all running for second 10 lanes up the track. Um, the question I have for you, all right, as a horse historian, how good is Flightline? Well, the problem with Flightline and it's a problem for curmudgeons like myself, is he's never going to have the body of work. No. That Dr. The Fega horse has had. been is, has run a handful of races, and not even the best races, other than the Met Mile. But now you want to get the classic distances. This horse is going to have a very short career. Right. And he's only run two turns once in his career. Right. And that was the Pacific Classic, and that was a race where everybody was running for second. Right, no and he one, ran, but he, he ran scare, a scary race. He ran a scary race, but, you know, to me, can a horse run a scary race when he's under serious pressure against another horse of at least somewhat comparable ability? That's the one testing thing. Like, who's better, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? I mean, are you looking at the stats? Are you looking at the number of Super Bowls? Uh Who's better, you know, Jim Plunkett or Dan Marino? Looking at the stats or looking at the number of Super Bowls. I mean, those are debates that we have all the time. And I can't put Flightline in there with Secretary. Is he is he a fake freak or is he a real is he a real is he a great racehorse or is he just a, a speed freak? He's a freaky raw talent, and you cannot argue how fast he ran the Pacific Classic. Though there were only two routes that day at Del Mar, and only one of them was a mile and a quarter, and it's a distance that's only run one time during the season. So really, how reliable is a figure like that? I'm not going to doubt it. He ran fast, no doubt about that. Is but he unbeatable in this race in your mind? I think Jackie's Warrior is more unbeatable than Flightline. Okay. And the reason why is pace. What's scary? So, so, all right. So, you think you think there's a chance that life is good can go out and maybe take a piece at a flight line. Life is good is going to be in front of flight line. Flight line is going to come up to life is good. Is flight line going to go just flying past like he's not there, or is it going to be a race there? You have nailed the decisive factor in this race. Right on the head there, Mike. 
is how good life is good is. If Flightline, when he attacks, blows right by, the race is over. over. But if life is good, is good enough to hang with him for a few strides. Well, then the the closers are in business. Exactly. Exactly. So which one is it? I think I think life is good is going to be good enough to test Flightline, and Flightline will have a chance. And you know they want to beat this horse. You know they want to beat this horse. Of course they do. Yeah. Of course they do. And life is good when life is good is running his last race as well, and he's going to stud after this race. And they've already announced a stud fee. But you know what they've said? They've said it's subject to change after the Breeders' Cup. Now, if Flightline spits out life is good, and life is good is distance. That stud fee is not dropping. It's not subject to being dropped. No, so that wasn't it's only subject to go up. Exactly. And if it's subject to go up, what are they expecting? They're expecting to take a shot to beat them, because then that's a home run for what that stud fee is. No, listen, be. if they turn back, if life is good turns back Flightline in this race, he's a huge star. Exactly. So people who know the game, and this horse is owned and trained by the sharpest, shrewdest, stallion-making people in the game. This horse is primed. This horse is going to send for everything he has. He's going to the front, and he's not going to go slowly either. He's going to go fast. He's he's going to spit out very fast fractions. There's no question. Exactly. He's going to test. So they, you're they telling me that nothing. you think Flightline is going to have to pull a Seattle slew in that right. he's going to have to tackle a really good horse early and then tackle the closers late to win this race. Right. And I think it's a fantastic opportunity for Flightline to prove to people like me that he truly is a great, great horse. Now, to be great to me, you have to be fast. And you have to be in approval. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions yourself. here. Number one, can life is good in your mind wire the field? Only if Flightline just doesn't show up. Well, that's not going to happen. So, so, so you right. think Flightline is going to. How early in the race do you think they tangle? When does Flightline move? A lot of it is going to be what Pratt senses. And Pratt is a fantastic instinctual rider who knows when to move at the right time. He is a world-class rider, every bit as good as the guys that have been riding regularly on the East Coast. And he's shown that in his time here. And his dominant trait is when he feels it's time, he moves aggressively. Well, how about Brad? They tell him to just stay off. Life is good until the top of the stretch and then let it go. I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's too instinctual. I don't know what they're going to tell him, but I think that he's, he moves when he combines what he feels underneath him with what he sees ahead of him. And if he sees signs that life is good is caving, he's going to go and he's going to go hard. And he's going to, and he understands what we've been talking about. He's going to try to put that race away in three seconds. If they if go one oh eight and change and bury each other, okay, and they're dead at a mile, they're dead. They go cook and they go one thirty four and they go one thirty three and change for the for the for the mile, and cook each other. Who's the most likeliest horse off the pace to pick up the pieces? The one who'll be sitting on the rail right behind them, who is a true mile and a quarter horse, who is the horse we talked about before the Kentucky Derby this year, and we said if we could own any horse in that race, the Kentucky Derby, who would it be? And we said Taba, who That's probably it. should not Baffet, even be running Baffet's the Kentucky horse. Derby. Baffet's horse, yes. which is going to be sitting a chilly third or fourth on the rail, waiting to pick up the pieces. Exactly. This horse has a late developing pedigree on the dam side. He's moving forward figure-wise. He did not handle the kickback well in the Haskell. That's why he lost that race. He was sitting in the perfect spot, had to get off the rail because Smith didn't like the way the horse was responding to the kickback. 
He also wasn't quite at his best. Had only been back with Baffert for a short period of time. He ran very, very well. He was coming back again, even when he saw the horse on his inside who made the lead. But in the Pennsylvania Derby, he set the same type of trip. He handled the kickback, handled it at a track where the kickback is harder to handle. Yeah, and and so so he can he can get that trip. He couldn't get that trip in July. He couldn't handle that trip in July, but he can handle it now. And the big thing with Tim, too, that extra eighth of a mile, it's meaningful to him. He will get better with it. And the two speed horses, they're both vulnerable at that distance. Life is good is certainly not a mile and a quarter horse. He's maybe not a mile and an eighth horse, whereas Flightline, you know, he still has to prove to me. The Pacific Classic, it was wonderful, but he wasn't tested. Everybody is running for second. They were second and third raiders. You need to show it to me again. You need to show it to me again, and he's going to have to do it with a serious force for at least eight and a half furlongs. All right. So, obviously, this race starts out, life is good, takes the lead. Flight line sits second. Taiba sits third on the rail. There they go. The key to the race, when Flightline decides to take life is good. That is the whole ball game right there. In a, in a nutshell, you rule anybody else into the race other than the one, the three horses we just mentioned. I really don't. I, I, I won't look. I mean, I respect Epicenter. He's a really good horse, if maybe not quite a top, 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 top horse in fantastic hands. He's, he's going to run well. I don't think he's as good as flight lines. Certainly. I think Tabor is better than he, but he's such a pro. He makes his own trip. If everything collapses, Tabor doesn't run. He can win, but I think he's basically third or fourth best. Uh, you know, rich strike can suck up for fourth. I'm not an Olympiad fan. Uh, I don't like anybody. I hot rod Charlie. I just don't see a path to the winner circle to this horse uh, pace wise. Maybe if, they just decide they're going to sit and just plug along. Maybe they can get something underneath. But I don't see anybody else as a factor on the front end. Everybody else is like trying for third. And there's fourth. a chance here, Brad, that 108 for flight line is cruising speed. Yeah, there is. There is. He's, I am not doubting his talent. Talent is, yeah, the, the talent is so there. He, he, he and the Met Mile hooked speakers. He got out of the gate badly. He rushed up. He hooked Speaker's corner and spit him out and then jogged to the wire in a very visually impressive Met Mile. And well, then look, on I top of that, he put, he put the coronation in the mile and a quarter race, which to me was, was obviously very impressive in terms of the numbers on the page. But I thought what he did at Belmont to Speaker's corner was scary. Uh, now... If he that does was, that, the life is good and goes on. Race. We're talking about something very special, very special. Yes, and the thing is, I, look, I mean, I, I've said my piece about flight line as to why I think he might be vulnerable, but in his favor, let me say two very, very important things that you kind of hinted on, but I just want to reiterate because there are things where maybe there's horses who show great raw ability, but then haven't really been tested, uh, haven't done that he's done and the one thing i'll say too as fast as he is he has become much more pliable much more rateable than he has been in the past he how about his, his you, you're you 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 look at these horses as athletes you you are someone who understands this on a very intricate level his stride is about as good as it gets yeah it's unbelievable it's unbelievable when when, when, when he was first seen at Santa Anita in 2021, I mean, you saw it and you said, I mean, holy, you know, and just put the expletives after it because it, it, it was amazing. You don't see that. It's uncommon. It's, it's, it's just not seen. Uh, I mean, there's great horses, truly great horses who did not move like that, who could not move like that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the raw talent – when you combine that with the mind, with the fact that, yeah, I mean, he's close. He's he was close to the pace at Del Mar, 
and in the net, but that's just because he's a fast horse. He was doing it easily, and he was doing only what the jockey wanted him to do, only what Pratt wanted him to do. He wasn't fighting Pratt. It was just done easily. And the other point I wanted to make about the Met, and it's what you mentioned as well, was the adversity he overcame. What happened at the start, how he had to rush up, the traffic he had to negotiate even after that, even in the small field, the foe he was running at, Speaker's Corner was so hot at that point, was really, I mean, just rolling. Uh, the fact that he was able to do that and still win easily, that's, that, that is uncommon. That is some adversity that he had to overcome. And there's a lot of horses whose paper looked as good as Flightline's paper did before that race who would not have responded like he did. So you've got to give him that. And let's say this about life is good. The only time the horse has been beat, he got beat in a sprint by Jackie's Warrior by a nose, okay? And he got beat in Dubai. Other than that, this horse hasn't been headed in any race and is really, you know, if you take these kind of classic races, this horse is undefeated. Absolutely. And that's, and again, that is an opportunity for Flightline to really prove true, true greatness in only a six-race career, which not many horses have the chance to do. So if I'm Flightline the horse and I could think this way, I would say this is a really great opportunity. They're not going to race me enough to really be able to compare myself to Dr. Fager or Secretary or Forgo or Kelso or horses like that. I'm never going to have that resume. It's uh, going to be denied me. But I can show I'm in their, truly in their league by beating this super speed horse and holding off a really good horse like Taba and a really good horse like Epicenter. Fascinating. Doesn't get any more fascinating than that, folks. And you're going to get, first of all, if you like horse racing, you have to watch this race because you want to see if this horse is as good as advertised in this kind of race. And this is the horses. Life is good as a quality front running animal. I mean, a quality animal. And as Brad said, Tabor, which is from gun runner and everything gun runner puts out runs. Tabor has got Baffet and is improving by leaps and bounds late in the year. And those horses are very dangerous when they improve like that late in the year. And they had a world of talent. Those are two very good racehorses. The classic is, I think, a fantastic marketing vehicle for horse racing. If I was in charge of horse race marketing, I would buy a couple million dollars worth of tickets, mutual tickets, on the classic, and just go all across the country to places where young people are assembling and give them out for free on Saturday morning and say, watch this race. This is what horse racing is all about. And I think that would be a far better use of horse racing's marketing dollars than what is currently being spent all over the place. I, I, I totally agree. And, and, and to be honest with you, they have, considering how good this horse is, they have gotten this horse very little attention. Yes. Considering yes. that this horse could be a legitimate super horse. I mean, he might be, and I understand that he didn't come through the normal places, okay? So that's, when that doesn't happen, it's only hardcore racing. If he doesn't come through the derby, it's not, you know, he's not well known. You know, uh, the Derby winner who is in the field and has probably very little chance is going to get run off his feet. Um, is better he's known well than, than, than Flightline flight is. Yeah, yeah, and that and and whose fault is that? That's horse racing's fault. Sorry, it's horse racing. We need to do a better job. All right. So um, your most likely winner is Jackie's Warrior. Your real hot long shots for folks are if you had to give them two or three that you really like at a price that we went through all these races. First on Friday, who's your really hot horse that you like at a price? Atomically. I like Atomically a lot. Okay. And I think our chances of winning are superb. And then on Saturday, who's your hot horse? You like Highland Princess a lot too, right? Yes, I like her. I like uh, Dream Loper in the mile. Especially uh, with 
modern games, back and forth in exactas. Uh, Blue Stripe has a chance at a price, uh, though I wouldn't. And know, what I like Goddess is not going to be the favorite against the, against the no, boys. Not going to no. be the favorite. No, she. I, I. I think she's a a very very live play. Uh, in the Philly uh, and turf, uh, I do like above the curve and Nashua and Tuesday and in Italian, keying those four horses in tries with above the curve, you know, really focus more on, on top and Nashua on top. But Tuesday and, and Italian, I think you have four horses there who are going to be there if you're playing tries or supers. Well, listen, thanks very much for taking the time to do this. Always appreciate it. Enjoy the, enjoy the Breeders' Cup. We'll talk to you soon. You too, Mike. Good luck with Catholic Thank you, Brad, Breeders. very much. Appreciate it. Brad Thomas, there's all your winners. Uh, there's all your long shots. There's the way to play it. And it's on Friday. You have Breeders' Cup, Juvenile, Phillies, Phillies Turf. The young horses run on. The babies run on Friday. The... Established stars run on Saturday, uh, and our Casa Creed will run against the heavily favored Golden Pal, who has never lost to Keeneland and who is on his way to Coolmore. And people think he's just going to run right, you know, into the starting gate, uh, you know, just jump in the gate and run right into breeding. And you know what? Maybe he will. Maybe he's better. But you know what? I think we got a surprise for him coming up. I think he's, we're going. I think Casa Creed's going to run a huge race. Coming off the pace there. I wish it was another half furlong. I wish it was six rather than five and a half. It's not. You get what you get. But I think he's going to be flying. I think he's in great shape. I think he's going to be flying in the stretch. Absolutely flying. Uh, And he's worth a look in the uh, turf sprint. And then, of course, you have the big race. Don't You know, Nest is a wonderful horse. Check her out. And then you have the big race. And... Is flight line everything everybody says he is? We're going to find out uh, against a couple of very quality opponents in the Classic. And if you like racing, it's a must. Listen, there's a lot of good things on Saturday, including Georgia, Tennessee, which I'm very much looking forward to. Okay? Uh, but uh, And I'm not going to the Breeders' Cup, so I will not be there. Because my son has a playoff game, and that comes first. He has a uh, Catholic school, high school playoff game. And he's a senior, so this could be his last game. So uh, I am obviously opting for that, and as any father would. Uh, so I will be watching the uh, Breeders' Cup on TV uh, and hoping to see my partner in the uh, Lee Einsleiter in the uh, winner's circle with Casa Creed, where... He belongs because he's been a great, honest horse, and he's been a wonderful horse for us. So uh, uh, that's a fun day for us and a, a big thrill. And really looking forward to seeing what flight line is and isn't. And on Belmont Day, he was in the Met Mile. Very, very special. Uh, tomorrow, Football Friday podcast. Don't miss it. We'll have it up early. Enjoy the day, folks. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.